Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Living Rock Church. This is the podcast from The Message on Sunday, the 20th of August. Due to technical issues, I've been asked to re-record the introduction of the message that I shared. And the theme of my message, the title of the message that we shared and looked at together on Sunday the 20th was Home, Hope, Health, Help, Reasons to be Worshipful. Home, Hope, Health, Help reasons to be worshipful. You know, we are, as human beings are wired to worship. There's something in us that there's this desire to worship something, to express praise, to give thanks. We've been made in that way. And C.S. Lewis, in his explanation of this in Reflections on the Psalms, writes this, the most obvious fact about praise strangely escaped me. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. The praise of weather. Praise of wines, dishes, actors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare books. Get this. He says this, even sometimes politicians and scholars. You know, the fact is that our praise is based on that which we value. We express an appreciation of that which is supremely valuable to us. When we see something that we appreciate, see something uh, that we value, there's an overflow, natural response, an overflow of praise. When Sarah and, uh, and I and the children travel down to Devon, we often have gone down there many years on holiday, and as you drive over the top of the hill and you look down to the coast, and you can see Lundy Island, and you can see all the incredibly lush green grass because of all the immense rainfall that happens there, and, and you get 10 seconds of sunshine during that two-week holiday, and you glimpse and see this amazing, beautiful vista in front of you, and you just have to say, wow, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that stunning? There's, there's an overflow that comes when we see something or we witness something that we truly value and appreciate. C.S. Lewis goes on to say this, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. Not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. You know, in other words, we're never really truly satisfied until we have an opportunity once we've seen something or recognized something we value to express praise. And then when we express praise, there's a completion that takes place and we feel fulfilled. That's how we're wired. Michael Ramsden, a Christian apologist, when he talks about people who are are not yet saved, not yet found God in their lives. 
has said this, the problem is not that we have nothing to be grateful for, it's that we have no one to be grateful to. The problem is not that we have nothing to be grateful for, it's that we have no one to be grateful to. When good things happen, when things happen to people that they value, that they're thankful for, that they want to give praise for, if they don't know there's a God there who's provided for them, a God there who's created these things, they have no one to be grateful to and therefore their praise is never truly fulfilled. We're all familiar with the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'm sure we're very familiar with the Longer Catechism as well. But there's a phrase that I love, and it simply says this, humankind's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Humankind's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I'm going to look together at Psalm 107 and look at these aspects of home and hope, health and health, and reasons to be worshipful. And uh, I'd like to read Psalm 107 from the New Living Translation and then just talk about why we worship God and, and what we can worship God for, the things that we can give thanks to God for. So Psalm 107 says this. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty, they nearly died. Lord, help! They cried in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell, and no one was there to help them. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he broke down their prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food and they were knocking on death's door. Lord, help. They cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Some went off to sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deeper seas. He spoke and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wit's end. Lord, help! They cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. 
Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. He changes rivers into deserts and springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful land into wastelands, the springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle there and to build their cities. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them. They raise large families there, and their herds of livestock increase. When they decrease in number and become impoverished through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes, causing them to wander in trackless wastelands. But he rescues the poor from, t- from trouble and increases their families like flocks of sheep. The godly will see these things and be glad, while the wicked are struck silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. It's a wonderful psalm. And we'll look at this psalm and then we'll respond in worship after each point as we consider each of these aspects of home and hope and health and health. But right at the beginning, it tells us why we worship God. Why do we worship? What is it that fuels our worship? We worship God for who he is and for what he's done. Just look at those, that first verse. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. You know, the wonderful thing about this verse is we can sometimes come to worship God and we don't feel worthy. We don't feel good enough. We, we, we don't feel righteous enough. We've not had a good enough week or a good enough day. We, we're aware of the things that we've done wrong. But the great thing about the start of this psalm, this simple truth that fills the, the Bible, this refrain that we see time and again in the Word says this, give thanks to the Lord, not for I am good, but for he is good. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about my goodness. It's about his goodness. It's not give thanks to the Lord for I am good enough. It's give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And the next thing is this. It's not about give thanks to the Lord because things have been good. I've had a good week. Things are going well in life. Circumstances are positive and and therefore I come and give thanks. But when things are bad or challenging, then I withhold my praise and my thanks. No, give thanks to the Lord, not because I am good, not because things are good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and he is always good and therefore he's always worthy of thanks. His faithful love endures forever. He is the consistent one. He is the unchanging one. He is always worthy of our praise. He's always worthy of our thanks. And the wonderful thing about praise and thanks and worshiping God is it takes our focus off ourselves. And we worship him. We see the one who is unchanging. We stop looking at ourselves who can change from day to day, even from hour to hour or minute to minute. And we look to the one who is unchanging and we worship him and we give thanks to him. It does us good. He is the one of supreme value. He is the one of supreme worth. You know, there's a great uh, description of God and his nature being revealed to Moses in Exodus 33. And you have this incredible conversation between Moses and God. And Moses simply says this, Lord, if you don't go with us from this place, if your presence doesn't come with us, we won't be different to any other nation on the planet. Nothing will set us apart from anyone else. And you know, the same is true for this church family. 
There are many good organizations that do many great things, that do so much to help people around them, to bless their community, that express community, that help with social justice and feeding plans and care for families and individuals and people who are struggling in life. There are many great organizations that do that, that don't have God in their lives. But as the church of God, we must be those who, wherever we do, his presence marks us and sets us apart. And Moses asks to see God. When we were with the musicians on Monday night, we were in it, met in a, in, a, in a sitting room, we were worshiping, and, and one of the songs talks about asking God to let us see all of his glory. Let us see your full glory. And as we sang that song, I just felt God say to me very clearly, if you saw my full glory, you just couldn't handle it. It would be more than you could handle. And he says exactly the same to Moses. I can't let you see my face, Moses, because if you do, it'll wipe you out. I'll allow you to see my back. And I'll allow you to see an aspect of my nature. And you know, at this point, God could have said anything. I'll allow you to see my power, my holiness, my glory, my majesty, my light. But he doesn't. He simply says this. I will allow my goodness to pass before you. Isn't it incredible that God chose that aspect of his nature, his goodness, to be revealed to Moses, to show Moses that he, that he was with him. God is such a good God. And that's why he's worthy of our praise. Just where you are right now, just say, Lord, thank you that you're good. You're good, Lord. All that you do is good. Everything that you want to do in my life, all your plans are good. Your will is pleasing and perfect. You're so good, Lord. And his faithful love endures forever. Who he is and what he's done. The psalmist asks this question. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Because he's expecting the answer to be, yes, he has. And what I find incredible about this is, this is pre-cross in, the, in our history timeline. We know that he was slain before the foundations of the world. But this psalmist is, is, is talking about a redemption that is not yet fully realized because Christ has yet, not yet been crucified. And yet there's enough redemption in the Old Testament and in the Old Covenant for us to recognize that we're redeemed and to express praise. How much more so of those who've come into the new covenant of Christ Jesus and we look back with gratitude at the cross and we can say, what a redemptive act that was. Thank you, Lord, that you've saved me, that you've made me good enough. It demands a response. Certain things cause an involuntary response. If you stub your toe, something comes out. And now that we're redeemed, it's, it's good things. Just louder than normal. But you know, as we're impacted with the truth, as it hits us, there's got to be an overflow. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I've been washed. I've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. I, I was sinful. I was lost. Things were hopeless. And yet he saved me. He's redeemed me. Thank you, Lord. I'm redeemed. I'm going to speak out. Tell others he's redeemed you from your enemies. He has done it all. We're so blessed. And the wonderful truth is, again, even in an Old Testament, Old Covenant revelation, there's an understanding of the extent of this provision. Because there's a recognition that there's a gathering of the exiles from many lands. From the east and the west, the north and the south. This is for all people across the world right now, regardless of where we're from, his redemptive plan 
incorporates, includes us. We're part of his wonderful plan. And this first group of people in verse 4 are looking for a home. You know, when we come into the presence of God, when we come into the kingdom of God, we've truly come home. When we root ourselves in a church family, we truly come home. And until that point, we are always homeless. We will always be homeless. People looking for community, people looking for family, people looking for belonging, they're looking for nourishment, they're looking for satisfaction, and they're not finding it anywhere. And you know what? The tr- a tragedy of modern times is that there is homelessness in the world today. If you go to any major city, uh, you can't help but to be impacted by those who are homeless. There's a, there's a sadness of a recognition of somebody that is insecure, unrooted, listless, and they're homeless and they're restless. God's heart is for us to know where our home is, to find our home in Him. Isn't that a wonderful thing? To know where your home is. When Jesus heals the blind man, Jesus asks him a question. He says, what what do you see? And the man says, well, I see men looking like trees walking around. You know what? God doesn't want us to be trees walking around. Jesus wasn't satisfied with that answer. He brings about a fullness. God wants us to be rooted. He wants us to be trees that are rooted and planted. I've been reading through Ecclesiastes recently, and uh, and the Bible in one year has taken us through Ecclesiastes. And it's Solomon grappling with all of the things that he's trying to find satisfaction in and security in whether it's the pursuit of pleasure, of hedonism, whether it's materialism, finances, and riches whether it's about gaining knowledge and understanding. And he says, you know what? It's all just chasing the wind. It's meaningless. Can't find home in these things. It's finding the Lord and, and, and living the way that he wants you to live, knowing him, come into relationship with him. Until we come to that point, we'll never truly be home or feel at home. When um, Sarah and I went to, took the kids to... Sarah's dad's house over in, uh, he's got like a, a holiday house in, in Ireland, and we went to stay there. And uh, we got to the evening, the kids were little, and we'd realized we'd not packed any nappies. Okay, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. And so we were out in, the, in this house, it took us ages to find, oh, actually, somebody else drove us there, and then we had the car. So I'd remember there was about 20 minutes earlier that we'd, we'd gone through a town where we could go and get, get nappies. So I set off in the car. And I managed to get to the town to buy nappies. And then I realized as I'm driving back to the house, I don't have a phone. I don't have an address of where the house is. And I've never been here before. And you know what it's like when someone else is driving you? You're not paying attention, are you? You're just sort of mindlessly sitting there. And I've realized, I don't know where home is. (laughs) And so I'm driving kind of thinking, I think it was this way, but it's just countryside, country lanes, everything looked very similar. And in Ireland, if you want signs, if you want to know where the Spanish landed in the 16th century, or where there's a saint that you can go and sort of give some, <laughs> then that's fine. If you want to know where somewhere is, you've just got to have lived there all your life, I think. So there's nobody around, and I'm driving, and it's starting to get dark. And as soon as it gets dark, then you're even worse. You can be somewhere familiar, and you don't know where you're going. And I just remember thinking, I'm homeless. All the people that I love are somewhere safe, and I'm here in this weird place. And I pulled the car over, and I just remember saying, Holy Spirit, help me. I want to get home. And I turned, and I pulled, and I just felt, take a left. So I took a left, 
went up a hill, down another side, and I thought, I recognize this place. And sure enough, I pulled up, and I could see Sarah looking worriedly out of the curtains. <laughs> I, think she, I think she thought I'd gone to Dublin to get the, uh, the nappies. You know that feeling of, of just not knowing where your home is? It's so unsettling. God wants us to know where our home is. It says in verse 4, they wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless. Hungry and thirsty, they nearly died. But listen to the contrast of verse 7 after they cry out for help. From wandering, he led them straight to safety. Isn't that wonderful? They were wandering. They cried out to the Lord, and the God led them straight. God led them straight to safety. They were in the wilderness. Now he's brought them to a city. They were hungry and thirsty. And it says, now he satisfies their thirst, and he fills the hungry with good things. How good and faithful he is. Do you remember what it was like when you, you were looking for home before you knew him? Before you saw and understood who Jesus is and what he'd done for you? Or have you lived at times in your life where you've done your own thing and you've realized that like the, the prodigal son, you've left the place where you should always have been in the first place and you realize how empty. He was hungry, wasn't he? He was staring at these pods that couldn't satisfy him and he thought, I have to go home. The singers and the musicians could come back to the stage, please, for a moment. It says this, he rescued them from distress and led them straight to safety, a city where they could live, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. He leads and he feeds. He leads us out, but he also leads us on. If we could stand together for a moment. I'd like for us just to respond with a song. And I, I want to just say this before we, before we sing together. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never found home with a faithful heavenly Father who loves you, today is a day to come home. He wants you to come home. In the story of the prodigal son, as soon as he sees his son at the edge of the city, he rushes to him to wrap his arms around him and to bring him home to a place where he was secure, where he was fed and loved and cared for. Don't let today go without coming home today to find your home with him. But if you're here today as well and you know you've been wandering, you've been home but you've wandered, now is the time to come home. To say, Lord, I recognize my home is in you. I recognize that you're the source of all that I need, that you nourish me, that you quench my thirst. Nothing else does it. Only you, Lord, can satisfy. And I just believe as we worship right now, if you're in those positions, now is the time to respond. And for the rest of us, just to say, thank you, Lord, that my home is in you. Thank you, Lord, that my security is in you. And I just believe God, by his presence, just wants us to know that he's among us, that he's with us, and that our home truly is in him. So the singers and the musicians are going to leave. And I just encourage you to express gratitude that he's brought us home. Thank you, Lord. He's our home. And he's our hope. He's our hope. It said, some sat in darkness, verse 10, in gloom. They were imprisoned in iron chains of misery. 
They were rebels, they were mockers, and God broke them with hard labor. But you know, God only ever breaks us so that he can truly build us up. He wants to bring us to a place of restoration that can only come through our repentance, through our turning to him. Because we can never do anything ourselves. He's a God of restoration. He's a God in whom we put all of our hope. And you know our hope is in him. The challenge for us is the more we decry God, the more we rebel against him, the more we become a prisoner of ourselves. When I become my God, I become a captive to myself, to my own desires, my own appetites, my own flaws. So the Paul says, even the good things I do are like filthy, rotten, dirty rags on me. To be hopeless and to be homeless, those situations are, are tragic. And you know, we sometimes might, there might be things going on in our lives that, that seem hopeless. The challenge of sickness, the challenge of relationship breakdown, the, the challenges of, of anxieties and, and difficulties, challenges that are outside of ourselves, challenges within ourselves, the issues that we see going on around in the world around us can seem hopeless, but our faith is in the one who gives us all hope. The song that we are, we've sung often, and I think every time I, I have an opportunity to lead worship, I maybe choose this song very often, No Other Name. But there's a line in that song, it says, Find hope when all the world seems lost. Behold the triumph of the cross. The contrast again, those who sat in darkness and deepest gloom were imprisoned in chains of misery. Verse 10. What does God do? He leads them from the darkness and the gloom. He snaps their chains. He breaks the gates of bronze. And he cuts apart the bars of iron. He breaks in and he breaks out. When we were at, um, at Without Borders, when Kerry shared on, on the Wednesday afternoon, he talked about Elijah in the cave. Elijah was sitting in deepest, darkest gloom. He was in the realms of depression. Everything seemed hopeless. And yet God speaks to him in that place. And he says to Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah says, Lord, there's only me left. Everybody else has abandoned you. And Kerry made this point. I'd never seen it before. He said, when God spoke to Elijah, he didn't say, come to the mouth of the cave. He said, go to the mouth of the cave. Why? Because God was in there with him. God was in the darkness with him. God was in that place with him. He didn't say, Elijah, come out. I'm out here. He said, Elijah, I'm in here with you. And I'm going to lead you out. I'm going to lead you out. Out of your darkness. Out of the gloom that you're in. He breaks in. He breaks out. He's so faithful. He's where our hope is. You know, God wants us to find hope not in his creation, but in the creator of that creation. He doesn't want us to rely on material things or physical things. He wants us to look to the one who's invisible, the one from which all of those things came. He wants us to look to him and find fresh hope. 
I want to encourage us all again. You know, there, I'm sure there are many of us who will say, I, things seemed hopeless, I turned to him and I found hope. Chris shared, when he talked about hope, I think it was a year or two ago, and he talked about a point in the distance where our anchor was, that was and, and there was a line which was drawing us that would never break, that would pull us closer and closer and closer to that place, that destination. That hope isn't something that's just airy-fairy. It's clear. It's set. We fix our eyes on that. We fix our eyes on the one in whom our hope lies, the eternal one, the rock. We stand together for a moment. This might just be an opportunity to give thanks for the hope that you have in him, a hope that will not be, uh, will, will not be lost, will not be frustrated. But I also believe there's a provision of fresh hope. Please listen to me right now. A provision of fresh hope that the Holy Spirit wants to bring to you right now. And I just want to say, in in line with that picture of Elijah, God is meeting you where you are at. He's meeting you where you are at. And then our job, if you like, is to respond to him, is to begin to step in line with what he says, to begin to obey him, to begin to follow him out of where we are, not to wallow, but to walk with him. This fresh situation is going to come this morning, hope for every situation that we face. So the, the, the team are going to lead us. Spirit of God, we just come with our hearts open right now. And we say thank you that our hope is in the eternal one. Thank you that our hope is in the rock of our salvation. Thank you that our hope is in Christ. He's the hope of glory and he's in us. And Lord, we pray, pour out fresh hope where it's needed right now in the name of Jesus. As we respond in worship, let there be an impartation of fresh hope in Jesus' name. declare right now our hope is in you we align ourselves with you line our lives up with you Holy Spirit we, we ask that you would come and you'd show us the truth that you'd reveal Christ to us afresh so that we might align ourselves with him perfectly and know that confident hope Amen Amen thank you Lord please take your seats He's our home, he's our hope, he's our health, our health. Verse 17 says, some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They were suffering, they were sick, they'd rebelled. They couldn't even enjoy food. They were repulsed by that which was good for them. And it says they were close to death, they were at death's door. You know, not all sickness is the result of our sin, but it is the result of the influence and effects of sin in the world. But God is our healer. He is by his nature a healer. 
He says in Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord who heals you. In 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, Jesus Christ personally, personally carried our sins. Personally was wounded so that we could be personally healed. We are healed by his wounds. God corrects and he cures. He corrects and he cures. It says this, verse 20, he sent out his word and he healed them. You notice that? He sent out his word and he healed them. There's healing in the word. There's health for us in the word. There's health in the word in Jesus Christ. And there's health in the word, the revealed word of God to us, the living word. It's living and active, it's powerful. More effective than ibuprofen and paracetamol. More powerful than any antiemetic or any other drug. This is where the power lies for our health. This is where we go. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from death's door. When it talks about in, in Mark 5, the story of the woman who has this issue, this, she's constantly bleeding and she can't stop it. And for 12 years she's had this issue, this problem that made her unclean, ceremonially unclean. It, it made her uh, a person who was a pariah in society. And she'd done all that she could and she'd exhausted all medical help and professional help. But it says this, she pressed through the crowd. Why did she do it? Because she said to herself, if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. Not only is it this word, but then it's the words that we speak that will cause us to press through the crowd, to press in and to reach out and touch the healer, the source of our health the source of our strength. I'm going to stand again. Please, if we would, if you're, in many ways, you know, when I'm saying to stand, the key thing is this, it's, it's a response. It's a response. Paul, Gandhi came out and he talked about a physical response of, of stepping forward, literally moving. It's an authentic way to express our worship. To raise our hands is an authentic way to express worship. To, to shout out is an authentic way to, to stand up, to kneel, to bow. Maybe at times to sit, that's fine. The key is it's a heart response to God. It's an act, a physical act. And just as we worship now, as we come to the source of our health, to the healer, just give thanks to him for who he is. And just pray, Holy Spirit, that as we come and worship the healer, that you remind us of promises in your word that will feed our faith right now. Let faith be fed. Let fresh faith develop and grow as we worship the living word. Remind us of your promises, Lord. Remind us of the truth. But Lord, that it will, your word will come and it will bring healing as we worship you together right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. He's our home. He's our hope. Our health. He leads and he feeds. 
He breaks in and he breaks out. He corrects and he cures. He's so good. He's so good. He's our help. The living God, the living God is your help. My help. He's our help. Just remain standing, please. He's our help. Some went off to sea in ships playing the trade routes of the world, verse 23 tells us. They observed the Lord's power in action. They just saw the natural part. (laughs) What happens in the earth and creation? They were thrown by the storms and in terror they reeled and staggered and at their wits end. And what's the shout, the, the heart cry of each of these four groups of people? Lord, help. Lord, help. It's a legitimate prayer. It's a good prayer. Because we're calling on the only one who can truly help us. Lord, help. To feel powerless, to feel battered, to feel helpless. But they turned to the only one who could help them. The only one who could deliver them. The contrast... He saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper. He stilled the waves, brought them safe to harbor, brought them to a haven, brought them to a harbor where they were safe. It says this, what a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Psalm 54 verse four says, God is my helper. He keeps me alive. Hebrews 4, 16 says this, draw close to the throne of grace, receive mercy and help. Receive mercy and help. You know that word help is used in Acts 27 when Paul is on a ship that's being battered by the sea and they threw ropes around to keep the ship held together. They strengthened the ship with these ropes and it held the ship together in the storm so that it could withstand the storm. That same word is is the, the help that we find as we approach the throne of grace. He's your help this morning. Ever present. Faithful. And our final response is just to, to look to him as our help. And just to say this, allow all self-reliance to fall away right now. All self-effort, all self-reliance, all of the things that maybe we've been doing where we've been relying on ourselves, on our own strength, on our own abilities. Just allow those just to fall away and say, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need your strength. We can approach the throne of grace this morning and find and receive mercy and help. It's going to strengthen us before we go. It's going to pour out his strength. It's going to galvanize us afresh, fill us afresh, so there'll be an overflow. So that as redeemed, we speak out and we tell others about the good things that he's done for us but he's here to just minister right now his strength and his help as we look to him.
rely on him together. Thank you. He's so good. His faithful love endures forever. He leads and he feeds. He breaks in and he breaks out. He corrects and he cures. He stills and he fulfills. He's our home and our hope. He's our health and our help. Amen. Encourage one another. Bless one another. Have a great time. Have a wonderful Sunday. So good to be together, isn't it? Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.